0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the National Treasure Hunt podcast, where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And today's penultimate episode to the end of season two of our show is sure to be one of the most fun episodes we've had to date, or are we biased, Em?
1: I mean, I'm definitely biased. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I, do this, I do this for fun.
0: True, we decided to dedicate an entire episode to Emily's typical ramblings, if you will. My hobby <laughs> to your hobby, okay. So, if that wasn't a hint enough, you know, given everything you know about Emily and myself for the past 19 episodes of our show, this episode is going to be dedicated entirely to a definitive ranking as well as analysis of some of the top quotes you will hear uttered by our majestic characters in National Treasure and National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. Right, Em?
1: That is indeed what we are going to be doing. And guys, as usual, it is the time that you have all been waiting for, for the customary Twitter and Instagram shout-out. Guys, go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram at NTHuntPodcast. You can also find us to listen to on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, really anywhere that you consume your podcasts. And go ahead and let us know what you guys think of this episode. If you have any particularly strong feelings, I would love to hear them because I have very strong feelings about my choices here. So I would love to know what you guys think. And go ahead, rate, subscribe, review us, do whatever you can on any of those platforms. We love talking to you guys. So just keep it up.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to want to hear your thoughts on the quotes that we've selected. But you know what else we're going to want to hear your thoughts on? Our screams from Parkington Lane. Because I have a good one to share today, Emily. Oh, boy. Okay, so if any of y'all are new to this game, we are starting off our episodes with a customary complaint slash little bit of bragging that National Treasure has infiltrated our lives so deeply that it pops up in really strange parts of our lives. And we are calling this Screams from Parkington Lane. Emily, my scream this week is a little bit reflective of your last scream. You shared with us a dream or the fact that you had a dream involving National Treasure. Mm Mm-hmm. I, too, had a dream about National Treasure. My and unlike you, I actually remembered my dream. Oh, good. Um, I had a dream that Nick Cage uh, sent us a video. <laughs> and in this video, he um, kind of had his TV queued up to the chase scene, the London chase scene in Book of Secrets and he sort of was using it as a teaching tool because in this video he was sort of um, walking us through, talking us through this scene um, and he shared it with us so we could share it with all of you listeners for the podcast purposes because apparently Nick Cage is just super, super stand-up guy.
1: Wow. That is quite the scream, Aubrey.
0: I mean... Let's be real, though. How exciting would that be?
1: Pretty exciting.
0: We, we would lose it. Let's be real.
1: Oh, if he sent, just, like, out of the blue, sent us a video, that would be amazing.
0: <laughs> I would literally be in tears. Um, <laughs> but with that said, do you have any screams to share this week?
1: So my scream, once again, is not quite as amazing as Aubrey's is but guys I have to say that I had a date this week and on my date we ended up talking about national treasure and
0: (laughs) (laughs) that came up very naturally in the conversation so I really want to know how that came up though (laughs) I mean did you I I'm assuming you brought it up
1: Uh, Yeah, we were talking about what movies we liked. I mean, I mentioned National Treasure because I like National Treasure. But then, you know, we just got off on on talking about it a little bit.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, I have to ask. The first, you know, indicator as to whether or not this guy is a potential keeper, did he concur? Does he also like National Treasure?
1: He does, indeed.
0: that's, That's a good sign. He passes around once. Because he
1: also listens to this
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey! <laughs> no, that's, that is absolutely perfect. Well, we are encouraging him to, to let us know if he heard this little tidbit by contacting us on social media, just like the rest of you listening in. Because now I think it's time for us to get into our conversation of the day on quotes in our favorite film franchise. And before we actually start diving in, ranking them from 10 all the way down to one, I want to just say, I want to preface this by saying, as someone who has memorized basically the entire movie, actually I should say movies, both of them, line for line, this was really hard for me to even start thinking about because... If you can quote almost every line of the movie by association, just about every line feels memorable in some way. And this really takes me back, Emily, to uh, a time when I was in graduate school. Um, (laughs) I convinced all my friends to watch National Treasure, as one does. And they wanted to partake in a drinking game associated with National Treasure. Now, I don't drink, so... (laughs) From that perspective, as well as the perspective of me knowing the whole movie, they just really messed up because they let me come up with the drinking game rules for that. Oh, boy. Um, so you can imagine <laughs> when one of the rules was they had to drink every time there was, you know, I, I quoted the movie.
1: Oh, dear Lord, Aubrey.
0: It, um, they were pretty far gone 20 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real story guys I, I kid you not um, With that said The way that we put this episode together And so this is going to inform the way we go through the quotes today I kind of went through And wrote down all of the quotes that I found significant in some way Way more than 10 um, And then Emily our quotes guru Went through and did our definitive ranking So this ranking is Truly Emily's prerogative, and I will be questioning her robustly. And then after we name the top quote of this entire film franchise, we will answer the ultimate question, which film, National Treasure, or Book of Secrets comes out on top when assessing their memorable quotes? And my God, there are a lot of them. So Emily, without further ado, tell us, what is quote number 10?
1: Quote number 10 comes from none other than best possible character, Riley Poole, from National Treasure 1. And he said, quote, someone did something in history and had fun. Now, Aubrey, I don't know about you, but I feel like that's just kind of the epitome of these movies.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're totally right. And, I mean, to be fair, this particular quote comes at the very end of the first movie and it's one that I always really enjoy hearing and quoting in real time because it also uh, not only describes the movies but it also is a perfect characterization of the relationship between Riley and who he's addressing which is Ben right
1: yes completely because Ben is completely the history buff and Riley is the one who knows history but is gonna have more fun with it it's like Aubrey and me right like Aubrey is the national treasure buff and I'm the one who kind of knows national treasure but I'm going to have a lot of fun with it.
0: Is this you trying to make a case for calling yourself Riley in this relationship?
1: Yes. As always, yes.
0: <laughs> okay, so so that's really the entire the epitome of this quote. It's it's the It's the relationship between the characters, but it's also the tone of the full movie. Is there any other reason this really stands out to you?
1: I think that it also just speaks to, I mean, like you said, the tone of the movie, but it also, it speaks to the way that the characters interact with history throughout the movie. It's not just, you know, someone did something in history. And that's it. It's always like they had some amount of fun doing it because they made these like treasure hunts and these clues and stuff for that they left for other people to find.
0: No, that's a really good point. And it also speaks to the Disney of it all, right? Like there's (laughs) always fun, (laughs) you know. Um, No, that's a really, really good one. Is there anything else you wanted to say about what was that?
1: (laughs) I was jamming out to the fact that I had such a like, that's my number 10 pick. And that's what I had for my number 10 pick.
0: Okay, so, so what you're saying is you're setting this up for the rest of the nine of these picks being just over-the-moon fabulous quotes.
1: I mean, fabulous quotes and also, like, the analysis of them is clearly going to have some weight and some gravitas, as Aubrey likes to say to them.
0: Is that a word of mine that I'm not really aware of?
1: Yeah, you say gravitas a lot.
0: Cool, cool. Good to know. All right, um, number nine.
1: Number nine, I felt like I had to include this quote for the sake of Aubrey and because of the fact that it is one of those really iconic lines in just the film. If there's a quote that you know from the film, it's probably this. And that is Ben in National Treasure One saying, I'm going to steal it. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence
0: and might i say this is probably the most often misquoted quote by emily in this entire movie franchise yes. that is accurate okay well but i do have a question so it kind of it kind of sounds like you feel forced to include this quote i mean talk about that a little bit i mean no one's forcing your hand here em but i mean i would agree this is the quintessential quote of the entire franchise
1: Yeah, so what I really felt like I needed to do with this exercise, really, was to go about it in a way that felt very real, not just from an Emily bias of these are the quotes that I love from the film, right? Otherwise, they would have just been like all Riley quotes. But I felt the need to do it from a perspective of if we're going to actually analyze these quotes, then what are the ones that are important for this telling of the story, are important for the way that the story is remembered, and are important to other people? And that's why I referenced you, Aubrey, because I know that this quote is important to you, because it is one of the main tenets of the film. And as we've talked about numerous times, as well as even recently on our episode with Charles and Oren, is that he is doing something so ridiculous. He He's setting out to steal the Declaration of Independence. I mean, it does not get more crazy than that.
0: Might I Might I argue it does not get more Nick Cage than that? <laughs> I mean, this is probably, aside from the, you know, we're going to get to some other quotes here that have very Nick Cage moments to them, but as far as actions in these films, this is... The Nick Cageist, I think,
1: and also the Cageist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, double meaning, <laughs> it's no. definitely the sketchiest of the action. So, you say this is the sketchiest part of the franchise, but you know, Emily, I'm gonna argue one step further and say that there's a parallel quote in National Treasure 2 that, um. I see you haven't selected. And I would argue that that is actually the sketchiest thing, right? I'm going to kidnap the president of the United States. So maybe tell me a little bit about your choice of um, declaration of independence stealing over president kidnapping.
1: Yeah. So you know, and I really think I've been struggling with this idea for a little while because I, I love both movies, right? As you know, as all our fans know, and I love the, the big heist in both of these movies. That's what's really important to me. But what I think I figured out is that the heist in the first movie is very much a heist. It is set up step by step, and they really take the time to walk you through step by step exactly what they're going to be doing in order to get the Declaration of Independence. And there's some, like, pre-scouting that goes on of the location... They show you the research that's being done, all of that kind of stuff. And for the president, I mean, they do—they put work into it, obviously. You know, like he scuba dives, or not scuba dives, but yeah, whatever, scuba dives over there. At, in a, in then like has a tux on under his wetsuit, and so it's like it's a whole thing. But they don't really go into how he's going to steal or kidnap the president, besides saying like. Oh, we're going to go to Mount Vernon and there are these tunnels and then I'm going to talk to him. So it didn't feel like as big of a heist that was actually happening, even though arguably it, it's a person. So it, it is more of a heist.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think I think when we were recently on um, the podcast with our friends at I Drink Your Podcast, we we also mentioned how um, Book of Secrets kidnapping the president somehow feels less climactic than stealing Mm -hmm. the declaration in the two movies, which is kind of crazy to think about, right? But It is.
1: And it might be a timing thing. I don't don't know. But I think the reason I definitely picked this quote over the other one is because it's, to me, the more iconic of them. If you think of a quote from the National Treasure franchise, it's most likely going to be something to do with stealing the Declaration of Independence. In my words, probably that would exactly be the quote. But...
0: (laughs) So that's why I'm here to make sure we get the copyright now. Uh, um, okay. So I I appreciate that. I'm I am a little questioning as to how it's so far up on your list, but I mean we're just gonna have to see what you come up with from uh from here on out. So gonna have to make your case. You know how I feel about stealing the declaration of independence. So I do with with that, Emily, number eight.
1: Okay, guys, so number eight, we're going to have a little fun with this one. This is an exchange between Ben and Riley. Of course, I'm going to be Riley and Aubrey is going to be Ben. It's almost as if I set this up earlier in the podcast. Oh, my gosh. So Aubrey is going to go ahead and read Ben's line and I will respond as Riley.
0: I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to try to replicate the entire tone of the conversation. I mean, I can't be Nick Cage because, I mean, who can? But, you know, I'll do my best.
1: Nick Cage can be.
0: Fair enough. But until he joins us on National Treasure Hunt, (laughs) you you get me. (laughs) Okay. We don't need someone crazy. But one step short of crazy, what do you get?
1: Obsessed.
0: Passionate. End scene.
1: (laughs) Beautiful, beautifully done. And And guys, I
0: didn't mention it, but that
1: is from National Treasure 1. Um, And, you know, I think we got to just, you know, we... There are many things about this quote. Okay.
0: Would it it help if we reminded everyone of the context, maybe? Because this is a little bit more niche of a quote, right? Yeah. So so this uh, quote in the first movie um, comes up Fairly early on before the stealing of the declaration actually happens, it's when Ben and Riley are outside of the FBI building in DC and they're trying to convince people that um, that, you know, stealing the declaration is possible and someone like Ian is going to try to do it. And so. um, So, yeah, that is the context in case you forgot, because, again, this is a little bit more niche. But Emily, because it's so niche, uh, why do you like it so much?
1: I feel like it's it's two-toned. I think it has a funny aspect and it has a serious aspect, right? We we get the the craziness thrown in there and we get Riley with his kind of like one-liner being like obsessed, like clearly that's what that's what anybody is. That's one step short of crazy. And Ben, of course, comes along and takes a completely different puts a completely different spin on the entire thing and says, passionate. And in that, you have him really being Ben Gates as we know him, right? If anything, he's probably describing himself in this moment. And so he doesn't want to come off as being obsessed, right? He wants to come off as being passionate. And I think that that's just so interesting, the way that they were able to weave that much into this one short exchange exchange between ben and riley
0: i would even go so far as to say this is another one of those um moments where is life imitating art kind of thing the whole obsessed versus passionate and we consider this is nick cage again having this conversation with riley um i'm i like to think of it it's not just a dichotomy in thought between riley and ben but perhaps and i'm i'm you know, guessing here, but could it also be the dichotomy between Justin Bartha and Nick Cage? Um, but you know, I, I think you're right. It's there's the humor, but there's also the the poignancy. And I think, like you said, with quote number ten, this one also really seems to be almost emblematic or thematic of the entire franchise, right? Because you can't do what these characters are going to do in either film if you don't have that passion, right? You can't, Riley is super smart. Let's put it this way. Riley is super smart and he can do all the techy things and use his brains as much as the next guy, but he would not be able to accomplish these feats on his own, why he doesn't have that passion that Ben, and you could even argue Abigail, have, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think I think you know another thing about it is that you know they've um, they've had conversations like this on some other podcasts I listen to, like Harry Potter and the Sacred Texts and stuff like that, about this line between obsession and passion, and about how they really do kind of like butt up right against one another. One one could argue that in order to be passionate about something, you need to be quite obsessed with it. And I, in order to be obsessed with something, you you really need to have a a passion and a deep desire for or to learn about that thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's probably pretty circular and it's probably very much also in the eye of the beholder. So, um who knew such a deep quote? Um do you have any other thoughts to share on this one?
1: I do not. I think I am ready to move on to our next quote.
0: All right, number 7.
1: Number seven, one of the, this is one of my personal favorite quotes. As I mentioned, I'm trying not to rank them by my personal preference, but by the preference of, not preference, but by, I think, their credentials in the realm of quotes throughout these movies. And uh, this one is Ben, once again in National Treasure One, saying, people don't talk that way anymore.
0: and again, for reference, because this is sort of a recurring theme, and we've talked about that a lot on our show in the past, the sentiment of not thinking, not talking, not believing that way anymore. This particular quote is coming from Um, Actually, our first visit in National Treasure to the National Archives, when Ben and Riley are talking about the actual text of the Declaration of Independence while looking at it. Um, Ben reads off a section. Riley basically says, I have no idea what you just said. And... um, Ben sort of explains it, I think, spoiler alert, we're going to get to a part of that later on in this yes. episode as well. But um, in the end, Ben is just recognizing under his breath that, you know, the what he reads and what he sees in the Declaration of Independence is so beautiful to him, the sentiment and what it means to him as someone who respects and cherishes American history so much. And um, yeah, he says that people don't talk that way anymore. And you know what, Em? He's right.
1: He is, Aubrey, and I think that's one of the reasons why this quote resonates so much with me. Uh, you know, growing up um, and still being uh, religious, I am very familiar with reading texts that sound much more proper than they necessarily are, right? And it, and how formal the text is really depends on what translation of the Bible I'm reading, But fundamentally, even when you have the most, like, decipherable way of explaining the text, it still is a bit convoluted in the way that the sentences are strung together. And that always struck me because I always thought, like, people don't talk that way probably ever. Like, I don't think people talk that way. I think people might write that way, but I don't think people talk that way.
0: I think you're completely right. Um, Imagine, it's one of those things where like you're writing a presentation or a speech or a lecture and you have to like then actually say it out loud because half the time what you write, it's like, I sound very strange if I read or speak the way I write. So I think you're totally, totally on point there.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's just, I don't know it's so interesting to me because you know what ben is saying obviously in this quote is he's not saying people don't write like that anymore which is also true right people don't really write like that anymore but he's saying people don't talk that way anymore and that to me suggests that he has some semblance of a belief in this writing that people would actually express it in the way that it was written Which somehow to me seems powerful and gives everything, Wants not to overuse the term here, but gives everything a little more gravitas to it.
0: Yeah, but you know what, Emily? This reminds me of a quote from Book of Secrets, actually. And I believe it was in an exchange between Ben and the president during the kidnapping, um, where the president kind of echoes the sentiment um, and tells Ben... Um, people don't believe that stuff anymore. And it was also in reference to a really poignant bit that, again, I think we're going to get to later on in this episode. But yep. um, But am I correct to assume that you chose this version as opposed to the version that the president said, um, again, because of the whole significance? Like, it seems to have a greater significance in the plot in, in the first film.
1: Definitely. It it does have a significance in the plot. I mean, we're, we're literally talking about the Declaration of Independence. So obviously it has that, you know, significance to it. I think also part of what I like about this one is that it's said by Ben. Not that the president wasn't an important character, but he's a little ancillary compared to Ben Gates himself. And I think that having Ben, you know, utter these words just makes it a little more poignant I also like the that there's a difference between belief and what you say and Mm. I think that you know the president saying people don't believe that stuff anymore suggests kind of an internal state that people aren't rising to meet or something of that nature But by Ben saying people don't talk that way anymore, he's talking about the more external part of the dynamic, really. And I think that there's something even more important about the expression of things in that way than rather than keeping it kind of bottled up inside.
0: And to take this, you know, one step further to the actual meaning to the film, again, you saying, you know, the difference between Ben speaking this and the president speaking this, I think it's particularly significant that we have Ben uttering these words because we see him doing just that throughout the film, right? Like, he's the one to say the things that people don't say. And mm-hmm. so it means so much more. It's like he he recognizes there's a recognition there that, you know, when he says these things, it's a little bit out of the ordinary. And it, it gives us just a little bit more appreciation for all of those moments where, you know, he says something really deep in the rotunda of the archives or in the signing room at Independence Hall or wherever he may be, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that's a great point, Aubrey, because You know, even Ben, you know, is self-reflecting, is admitting that he doesn't think that people talk that way anymore. And we're kind of agreeing with him inherently in that line. But at the same time, we're literally seeing someone talking that way, which makes the way he's talking more impressive.
0: And we particularly like that he does. Yes. Right? We often comment on that fact, which is actually pretty interesting when you think about it. (laughs) Very much Uh, so. Okay, so how about number six?
1: Rolling in at number six is a Riley quote. Here we have our first feature from National Treasure Book of Secrets, ladies and gentlemen. We have Riley saying, last time I checked, we pretty much make our living on crazy.
0: And you know, I I had a feeling you were going to pick this one because I feel like you've picked this quote out before in like our commentary episodes. So again folks, since this is a little bit more niche than some of our other quotes, um this is happening in Book of Secrets particularly when Riley is showing the rest of our characters his book Templar Treasure for the first time since none of them have read it. Um and he's trying to convince them that the President's Book of Secrets is real.
1: He is indeed, and that's why he's talking about craziness, because people think that the President's Secret Book existing is crazy. And as I hope that you all have learned from our episode where we talked about the fact and fiction in National Treasure, it is possible that the President's Secret Book does exist in some form or another. So if you haven't heard about that, go ahead back and check out that episode earlier in the season. But anyway, Riley's referring to this as crazy because people think the president's book is crazy. And he's acknowledging it really, which I love. I love a self-aware character. And I love the way that Disney and the writers really are, are being very self-aware in this instance. The The entire thing is fantastical. And I mean, by this point we're in the second film. So it's not even like we like we've already done this once. And when we were talking to Charles and Oren, one of the things that I thought was funny was that they mentioned, you know, one of the struggles with making the second one was that they had to kind of like do it again. Like we already found the big treasure, (laughs) but now we have to do it again. And I think Riley's, you know, really pointing to that fact here. He's saying like, you know, or Disney's really pointing to that fact here. And they're saying, we're aware of the fact that we've done this once and we are now knee deep in doing it a second time. It is quite crazy, but they are literally making their living off of crazy in making this film.
0: Yeah, that's if that makes that a double meaning, let me add um, a triple meaning here, and not to beat a dead horse or anything. But again, this is a comment from Riley to Ben, so Justin Bartha to Nick Cage, um, and... Again, I mean, some would argue that Nick Cage has made his living on crazy, meaning so many intense, diverse, strange roles and the characters that he's portrayed. And um, I just love thinking about this in a multimodal way. Um, It is exceedingly self-aware. It's almost like they are... They, being the production team, Disney, as you said, the maybe even the actors themselves, they're almost in on the joke and making fun of themselves
1: mm-hmm. exactly, so. yeah, and i think I think another reason that I really like this one is that I think you know, maybe it's just me speaking about our professions themselves, but I think it could really be applied to like anyone if you think about it hard enough, like to think about ma- making your living on crazy like. If you think about it, you know, I'm still being a graduate student. The majority of what I'm doing is coming up with these crazy scientific theories and concepts and trying to test them out. And that's literally what I'm making my living on. And I just love how relatable that is to different people from all different facets of life. Which is why I felt that it was important to put not only for, you know, my liking, but also for everybody else's as well
0: and we uh had to get book of secrets in there eventually right
1: yeah i figured it was about time to to,
0: <laughs> to throw the showing yeah you know <laughs> okay well something tells me that number five you know book of secrets isn't so lucky what is quote number five
1: Quote number five is a Ben Gates quote. Once again, you're probably noticing we have a lot of Ben Gates quotes. Aubrey, why don't you go ahead and tell us what quote number five is? Because I know that you're particularly excited about this one.
0: I am. This comes from the first National Treasure film. It is a fan favorite for Emily and myself alike. And I just really wanted to read this one because I try to want to get in character and uh, try to be Ben here again. All right. So, (laughs) ahem. (laughs) <laughs> to high treason, that's what these men were committing when they signed the declaration. Had we lost the war, they would have been hanged, beheaded, drawn and quartered, and oh, or my personal favorite, have their entrails cut out and burned.:
1: Beautiful job, Aubrey. And I would you. like to point out that Aubrey <laughs> also had a fake champagne glass in her hand at the beginning of that quote, as Nick Cage does, with a real champagne glass in the scene. So well, thank y- you for- know.
0: You know what? I've read that, you know, Nick Cage is into method acting. And so here I am trying my hand at it myself.
1: It's working well for you, I have to say, Aubrey. Now, guys, the reason that I picked this quote is for, you know, once again, this kind of two-pronged level that it has. It's, it's serious, but it's also funny, right? That, that end bit really with their entrails cut out and burned and the way that Nick Cage delivers that line is just genius and it I mean you just you can't get much better than that and something that I realized upon reading the quote so not necessarily when I hear the quote because when I hear the quote I hear it much like almost exactly as Aubrey basically read it um in Nick Cage's voice being a little jaunty and bubbly and sarcastic. But when you actually read the quote itself, he's being very serious. He's talking about the fact that these men literally committed high treason when they did this, when they signed the Declaration of Independence. And all of the things such as hanging, beheading, drawn and quartered that could have happened to them simply for doing this one thing and standing up for something that they believe in.
0: And something that we take for granted to this day.
1: Yes, definitely. And I think that that is why it felt like such an important, and why I ranked it kind of right in the middle here, because of the fact that it the inherent truth of you know what people were doing not only during this time period but what people do whenever they stand up for something that they believe they have a right to I mean we we've talked about it early in the beginning of the season um but with all of the things that have been happening in society lately people are standing up and people are letting their voices be heard and when they stand up and do that they're taking risks and the risks You know, these actions also often have very real consequences, whether they whether they should or not. And I think recognizing the fact that you do need to stand up and you do need to speak out and take on these potential burdens is something that the movie does a really good job of delivering in this line without you actually knowing that they delivered quite as deep a message as that.
0: I I completely agree with you. It's so much so that, you know, we have the quote literally typed out in front of us right now, right, to make sure that we get it exactly right. But if you do that, if you look at it typed out, you can kind of cross out different sections and replace it with a current analogy Right. Mm-hmm. A current equivalent. And it becomes just as correct and significant and poignant. Um, so it's one of those reasons. There are many reasons that we've discussed in the past, but it's one of those reasons that these movies, I think, remain so relevant um, mm-hmm. because they are, by analogy, still delivering the same messages that we see be so important in society today. Um and one of the other reasons, Emily, that they remain so relevant is because quotes like this remind us that Ben Gates is played by Nick Cage.
1: Right? <laughs> this is true.
0: You know, not to uh, not to... I already used "Beat a Dead horse." What's another version of that phrase. but uh, but no, seriously, this is what we say is our quote-unquote Nick Cage moment of the first film when he delivers this line the way that he does and it's one of the ones that's so memorable to us all the time um Mm. again it's delivered at the National Archives as you know the heist is really getting underway so it's also significant from a plot perspective um but Emily I gotta question you again out of curiosity um we always equate this quote in the first film to the, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing because it's a very funny scene, to the Nick Cage equivalent quote and scene in Book of Secrets, which, in case anyone has forgotten, is the scene in sort of the lobby area of Buckingham Palace, where Nick Cage has mounted the banister, is playing drunk, and is screaming all sorts of um british foods into the face of the security guard landing on haggis so um (laughs) emily i i gotta ask uh, any particular reason not to include haggis in this list
1: yeah so you know the only reason like you said if we're gonna focus solely on the humorous aspect of these quotes that definitely is up there right the haggis part the burned part the The way that they're delivered, it's so clearly a parallel between the first and the second film. It's it's obvious why the writers put it in there. If we're going to do that, then it definitely would have been up here. But I think, like I said, the part about this quote that for me makes it so meaningful is the reality of this picture that Ben is painting right in the beginning portion of the quote. And there's nothing that's really comparable to that. As you mentioned in the second film, there's nothing that's really comparable to that in the second film. As you mentioned, he's kind of just listing British foods and like saying things. So it's almost like they knew they needed to parallel this scene, but they only wanted to parallel the kind of like the button ending on it, like the really funny beat.
0: Which maybe, I don't know. Could be because, as we learned recently, they only had 14 months to write, shoot, and prepare the entire film. So maybe they didn't have all of the time to create double meanings in literally every single line in the entire film, like apparently is the case in the first movie.
1: <laughs> this is this is very true. But, Aubrey, I think that you will see with my next quote choice that not every line has a double meaning.
0: All right. So, number four.
1: Number four is delivered by the one and only Riley Poole once again, and is once again from National Treasure. In this quote, Riley says, who wants to go down the creepy tunnel inside the tomb first? This is also a quote, which I frequently misquote. And say something (laughs) to the effect of who wants to go down the dark, creepy tunnel first or something like that. I I make it simpler than it is, but the the motive is there right (laughs) behind what we're saying. And you know, as whereas before I was saying that there was some seriousness to it, this one, there's, there's not really any seriousness that you can find. I mean, you can argue that we're in the, the action portion of the, the film at this point, right? That's why they're talking about going down the tunnel inside the tomb. We all know that's where they go and they find the treasure.
0: They are literally about to be screaming from Parkington Lane.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What? They are. (laughs) They are about to be screaming from Parkington Lane. Aubrey, thank you for pointing that out. I think that this just, it's a great painting of Riley as a character. Honestly, I think that this really gets all of him in there. He is, he's in it now at this point whether he likes it or not he is going on this treasure hunt so he's acknowledging the fact that he is going to have to go through this tunnel but not first without acknowledging the fact that it is not only creepy but it is inside a tomb and often as i misquote it dark
0: well it is in fact dark (laughs) so you're not wrong um I also want to point out, you know, I think you're right, he's in it at this point. And this scene reminds me a little bit of, um, in, in the second film, I wouldn't call this a complete analogy, but the equivalent moment when he's in it, and maybe even, in, in a sense, volunteering to be almost sacrificial, when he volunteers to put his hand inside the eagle Hole at at Mount Rushmore, right? Like he's in it. He realizes he's kind of the odd man out. There's like lots of friends and family here, and he's a little bit the outsider, but he's kind of owning that. And so I also really like that about this quote. Another thing for me, um, you know, as some of you may know, we also were recently on. a podcast called No Highway Option, um, and we were able to instruct the hosts of No Highway Option to check out National Treasure for their episode um, after the episode that we joined. Um, And upon listening to that episode after they released it, I learned that this is one of those quotes that... Sticks in a lot of people's minds, especially mm-hmm. if you're familiar with the trailer and a lot of the background material for this film. And I actually didn't really realize that. But um, I, I find it interesting because it it's it's a quote that's not coming from Ben that people really remember.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's really poignant that you point that out because, spoiler alert, the rest of the quotes that we have are from Ben. Excuse me. This is really the last non-Ben quote that we... Get, but Aubrey, I love that you said that because that's the reason why I placed it here in this number four slot is because it's funny, right? It's a little meaningful. Riley's really acknowledging something about himself here, but most importantly, it's memorable, right? This is one of those quotes that somebody who hasn't seen National Treasure in years will recognize immediately upon hearing it or could even quote back to you, probably misquote it like I do, But they know the gist of it. And I think that that is, for me, part of what makes, you know, this list separate from just a list of what my favorite quotes are, is it it also has to be relevant to the people. And I think that en masse, this quote is very much remembered by people.
0: And if I may, um, you know, as discussed, I really like the I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence quote, which I would say is, you know, like this one, one of the really memorable quotes. But um, whereas that one is just kind of fun, like you said before, this one has so many different meanings in terms of defining the character of Riley, um, in terms of even kind of... foreshadowing or paralleling so many other aspects of the film i mean how many times are they required to go down a creepy tunnel put themselves in dangerous situations do things they might not otherwise want to do you know it has more meaning besides just being memorable so anyway emily i know that the next quote is one that you really like you and i've had multiple conversations about this quote before so emily tell us number three
1: So number three is probably one of my top quotes. If I were going to pick my favorite quote from these films, I think it would probably be this one. Um, However, you'll notice that it's coming in only at number three here, which means that we have some other interesting quotes coming up. But this quote is said by Ben, as we mentioned, and this is in National Treasure Book of Secrets. Ben says, before the Civil War, the states were all separate. People used to say, United States are. It wasn't until the war ended that people started saying, the United States is. Under Lincoln, we became one nation. Now, I am continuously amazed by this quote. So it sounds grammatically incorrect, right? Saying the United States is. It sounds like we're talking about multiple things. There's the S there, the states. But I think that what this quote does so well is it it really paints this picture of going from separate states where we can refer to it as the United States are, because we're talking about individual entities as states, to saying the United States is, which is this one entire entity of our country. And I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is I mean, it's one of those examples of, you know, we were talking before Ben Gates says the things that no one really says anymore, right? Yes. So this is just a foregone conclusion, right? We just agree, we just know that our country is its own entity, but recognizing the history there that contributes to getting up to that point, which is something that this movie, um, Book of Secrets, puts a massive premium on, um, is It's significant. And honestly, I like this too because there's not a single other character in this movie that could deliver this line. And not just because of the actor or the actress, but but because of the character himself.
1: Yes, that is completely true. And. I think one of the you know so a lot of you might be saying well like if this is so poignant you know where are we going like how could there be more poignant ones left and like why as you mentioned Emily like this is your favorite quote why isn't this the the top quote. And I think for me it's fundamentally because Ben gets something not wrong here but it isn't entirely correct to all people and that's this concept of saying that under Lincoln we became one nation and I would argue that there are many groups in society nowadays who don't feel as though we're one nation and I would argue that based on once again recent events that have happened it doesn't necessarily feel like we're one nation it feels like we are a nation divided in many ways and I think that that for me was enough reason not to place it as number one because it felt a little tone deaf to mm. kind of put it in that in that top spot. And that's not saying that it's not important because I think it is still something that we can aspire to. And it is still something that I, and I know many of us would love to see our country get back to. Uh, some may argue that we never actually quite got there in the first place. And that might be true. And but I think it's something that we can aspire to be.
0: Yeah, this is, I think, what you've really hit the nail on the head here. This is a discussion prompting question. Like this is the question that we hope if there are any history teachers, you know, listening in today, like this is the quote that you take back to your class after listening to this episode to maybe have a discussion about to talk about your lessons on the Civil War, but also any any ways that you're incorporating current events of today into your lessons. Like this is the quote, right? Um, And I find that really interesting, Emily, that you said it's almost tone deaf because we laud the film so much for being so relevant um, Mm -hmm. today. And perhaps this is an example where it wants to be relevant, Mm -hmm. but maybe we could argue it's aspirational more than actual, if that makes sense.
1: Definitely. I completely agree with that
0: 100%. Okay. Shall we move on?
1: I think we shall.
0: All right, Emily, um, this next quote, which is number two, um, is coming straight out of National Treasure 1, and it's another poignant and very memorable one in my book. So, Emily, what is quote number two?
1: Quote number two, once again, comes from none other than Ben Gates. And he says, it means if there's something wrong, those who have the ability to take action have the responsibility to take action.
0: And this is one of the quotes we were subtly referencing earlier in this episode, right? This is taking place um, when Ben and Riley are in the rotunda of the National Archives. Ben has read a portion of the Declaration of Independence to Riley, and because Riley doesn't fully understand it, because people don't talk that way, because people don't think that way, Ben sort of has to real-time translate for him. And this is the translation.
1: And, I mean, what a translation. I it It cuts it down into... Very relatable terms. And I think that it, it like it couldn't be more clear. He literally lays it out for you, not just lays out what the Declaration of Independence is saying, but arguably lays out a way that we should all go about living our lives.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would even say if the previous quote we discussed is aspirational, this quote is a call to action. Mm hmm. And we've we've definitely talked about this on this season of National Treasure Hunt, uh, you know, how people have been quoting this line on social media when talking about current events happening in society today. Um, so, yeah, just throwing that out there. If any of y'all are on Twitter, you know, you can, go, like, search for this quote and you will see it at certain points in our recent collective history.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it's going to sound really cheesy, guys, but there's not much more for me to say about it. I mean, I think it honestly, Ben does a really good job of translating this for Riley. And I think that it, it says what it needs to say. I I think the only other thing that I want to note is that it's in the number two slot, right? Obviously we're going to get to one eventually. Don't worry, guys. We're aware of how to count. We know that one's the end, but I think for me, the reason that it's in this number two slot is because it's a Ben Gates line in that he's saying it. It's not said the way Ben Gates would say it if he had a choice in the matter, right? If he wasn't explaining this to Riley, if he had a choice, he would probably say it something like what was written in the Declaration of Independence, right? We know he can talk like that from the last quote that we read, we know he has the ability to 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 speak eloquently like that. And not that this isn't particularly eloquent. It it's very nicely structured quote. But I think that it's almost so simplified that it isn't giving Ben quite enough credit for who he is as a character, which is the only reason that it didn't make it into the number one slot.
0: Uh, Very well put, Emily. I completely understand where you're coming from there. And something tells me that when we get to number one in just a few minutes, um, we will give Ben his full due in the way he (laughs) speaks. Just a... just guessing but before we do before we get to number one there are three honorable mentions that i think you um doled out so these are some quotes that didn't make the list but we still like and i don't want to spend a ton of time on each of them but um but maybe maybe i can read them off to you and you can tell me why they uh why they don't make the list but still deserve some recognition how's that sound
1: Sounds great.
0: All right. The first honorable mention you have here, Emily, comes from good old friend Riley in the first film. And he says, it's a big bluish green man with a strange looking goatee. I'm guessing that's significant. Hugs. And of course, that hugs (laughs) I just added. It's a you'd put it in little asterisks because it's emotion. He hugs the bluish green man. Tell us about that one.
1: So that one, you know, as I as I've mentioned with some of these other quotes, is a great combination of this humor and this also a little bit of poignancy. You know, it, it's it's no going down the creepy tunnel first one, but it, it it has that aspect to it. We're talking about a little bluish green man. He has a weird looking goatee. Like that's pretty riley. That's riley to a T. No pun intended. And the fact that he's pointing out that he's like I'm guessing that this is significant somehow. It it's even funnier because it's not right. in the grand <laughs> scheme of things like just one item as a
0: one <laughs> item of the larger <laughs> templar treasure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and he thinks it's important for like l- leading them to another part of the treasure, one could even say. But it's literally just part of it.
0: Well, especially when you compare it to the immediately adjacent scene of Abigail being like scrolls from the library of Alexandria, like something that's actually very significant.
1: It is very significant. Exactly. And she doesn't have to say like, this is significant. She just says it. And we know, but Riley has this, this little comedic moment in here, which I think is very nice.
0: Love it. Okay. The second honorable mention goes to Riley. Once again, this time in national treasure Two, he says, Oh look, my tax dollars at work coming to arrest me.
1: This one just like gives, gets a kick out of me every time. Uh, you know, it's Riley being Riley. Uh, this is a very me thing to say. I feel like, which is one of the reasons that I picked it as an honorable mention. I wasn't as um, I was a little more biased with my honorable mention picks, I will admit, um, than I was with my definitive ranking of the quotes themselves. Um, But the the sarcastic nature of this one, I think, is really what gets me. And, you know, he's he's literally right. Like your tax dollars do go towards the police. And in this case, it was the FBI and coming to arrest him
0: this also reminds me a little bit of somebody's got to go to prison and thank you so much for not putting that on this list you're welcome (laughs) and finally our third honorable mention goes to a quote that i personally also really enjoy i've definitely used this quote as a caption for a random facebook photo that has absolutely nothing to do with the quote itself and that quote is from ben in national treasure one and he says sadusky I'm still not against you, but I found door number three, and I'm taking it. And then he jumps off of the Intrepid into the Hudson River.
1: He does indeed. Now, Aubrey, I felt like this one, I needed to have an honorable mention for it, because not only is it Sidusky, which, you know, we we got to talk about at some point on this podcast, but there's something about this one that I just, I really love the fact that, You see Ben at a crossroads and you think that he only has two choices. And then typical Ben Gates, he's like, nope, I found another one. And this is one of those things where I think, once again, the film franchise is kind of acknowledging itself. They're kind of being like, of course, we're not going to do one of these two ridiculous options that we set in front of you. We're going to give you a third option that is even more ridiculous than the other two. And we're going to have our main character take that option.
0: Yeah, and... To quote Agent Sedesky, Ben Gates is a smart fish, which also follows this quote. Anyway, um, OK, well, those are our three honorable mentions, which really leaves us with one thing left to do, Emily. The top quote, as assessed by Emily Black in the entire National Treasure film franchise, comes from Ben Gates in National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. Emily, what is number one?
1: Number one reads, because it will probably lead us to the discovery of the greatest Native American treasure of all time, a huge piece of culture lost, you can give that history back to its descendants. And because you're the president of the United States, sir, whether by innate character or the oath you took to defend the Constitution or the weight of history that falls upon you, I believe you to be an honorable man, sir.
0: Now, for anyone who has somehow forgotten or couldn't get from the context of this particular quote, (laughs) this is happening in the kidnapping scene of Book of Secrets, when Ben is trying to convince the president to tell him where the Book of Secrets is located. And the president is like, even if that did exist, why would I tell you? And this is Ben's very Ben response. Emily, why is it number one?
1: You know what? It's number one because for all of the reasons that we've mentioned, the other ones have been on this list. It it covers all of those bases. I mean, one could say that it's not particularly funny. I I don't, I don't think it's particularly funny, Um, but it is Ben being Ben as Ben as he could be like, It just, it is pure Ben Gates. And as, you know, we have probably come to think of it, pure Charles Seegers or Orin Aviv. It's pure the way that these people talk and the way that they think about history. And I love this one because not only is Ben noting that there's something that's been lost here, Right. There's there's a reason he wants this book. It's not just so he can go on this treasure hunt. It's because there's something that he's going to find at the end of this treasure hunt that is going to help bring back a Native American culture that was lost. I think another reason I like this is because, you know, Ben is speaking to the president. He's speaking to someone who has the power to, to do something about this. You know, as we mentioned in in the, the quote, you know, in the number two slot, you know, Ben's talking about if you have the ability, you notice something wrong, you take action, you have this responsibility. He's He's really putting that to the president in this quote. He's saying, like, you have the opportunity to take this action. So why would you not do that? And then he goes even further and describes the character of the president himself. And it's not just the him describing who the current president is but it's him describing who you know our forefathers thought the president should be and who this idealized version of the president is and something that once again i think we can strive towards as a society
0: i don't think there's really much more to add to that um Aside from saying, I really like how, how you said this is a reflection of the respect that the creators of this franchise have for history in and of itself being reflected in Ben, the character. But there's also a part of this that goes right along with that, where Ben and his crew are the treasure protectors, right? They are protecting the history. They are protecting the culture. And there is mm-hmm. a part of that that, you know, the the action of protecting is also the action of respecting and um, and solving a problem you know addressing a, an issue for the benefit of the greater good, and I think that also comes across really clearly in this quote, and because it's Ben's appeal to the president, again, speaking to the character that a president arguably should have, it's almost inviting the president and by association America as a whole to be a part of this protection of treasure, of culture, of everything else that goes into this. And so this could definitely be said to have a very deeper, a very deep meaning. I
1: completely agree, Aubrey. And I think, you know, that pretty much sums it up, guys. That's why it's, that's why it's number one.
0: All right, so with that, Emily, we said at the beginning of this that we would go through from 10 to 1 and then crown one of these films the winner. Now, it's really painful for us guys to crown a winner within this franchise because both of these films are so important to us and we love them both so much. But you know what? The hard work has to be done, and so I'm going to naturally step back and not take any part in that and ask Emily (laughs) when it comes to iconic quotes who comes out on top? Is it National Treasure or is it National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets?
1: So I need to tell you first, I didn't just do it by pure number here. I I did count how many quotes were from National Treasure and how many were from Book of Secrets. But I also tried to give, especially that last quote that we talked about, uh, an additional amount of weight in its scoring because of the fact that it comes so high and it is the number one quote That being said, guys, the winning film here is National Treasure 1. I mean, you just you can't beat it with the iconic lines. And I don't know if it has to do with the fact that it's been around longer uh, or that it was the beginning of the franchise. So people hold on to it more dearly. And it's the one that people are more likely to have seen, because if you're going to show someone one of these films, you're probably going to show them the first one. But it's these quotes, I think, that really do stand the test of time and are still around to this day.
0: If I had to maybe predict why that's the case, um, because I agree with you, I think National Treasure One does come out on top, um, all things considered. Um, Just reflecting on sort of the discussion we've had today, Emily, not only are the... quotes from national treasure one iconic and memorable from a humor perspective but they definitely have much more double duty going on where you find the humor but you also um have a deeper meaning that you can find to almost all of them they also have some inherent self-awareness with the characters and the actors um whether or not that was intentional i don't know but we got to recognize you know give props to what ends up happening here and because of all of those layers um i think that really makes national treasure one the the more quotable and more memorable when it comes to the lines definitely yeah so emily did you did you have fun um dedicating an entire episode to quotes today
1: i had so much fun guys this (laughs) is up there with me with my top favorite episodes, Uh, this kind of analysis is what I do all the time with quotes from any show, book, movie, speech, anything. And to have the opportunity to to do it here for you guys with this franchise that we love so much is uh, really an honor. So thank you for uh, allowing us to go off on this for a little while.
0: We can only hope that National Treasure 3 comes our way Immediately, so that we can dedicate an entire other episode, you know, this is the only reason, to dedicate an entire other episode (laughs) to inserting National Treasure 3 quotes into the picture, because my goodness, uh, we've, it's the movie's been such a long time coming, I feel like we're going to have really high expectations, and it'll be really interesting to see where it stacks up on all fronts, but but quotes certainly included. So guys, now that you've listened to this episode and heard our ranking of the top 10 quotes from National Treasure and Book of Secrets, and why we placed them, most importantly, why they're placed where they're placed in the <laughs> ranking... I really want to hear what you guys have to think. Are there particular quotes that you find more memorable or more poignant for some reason? Do you agree that National Treasure One has the better quotes overall? Please, please, please weigh in on social media. And Emily, tell them one more time or they're going to find us.
1: You can
0: find us on Instagram and
1: Twitter at N.T. Hunt Podcast. You can also find us for your listening ears on any and all podcasting platforms. We got you covered on Spotify, iTunes. SoundCloud for you hipsters out there. We got you all covered. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, like, review, do whatever you can on those platforms. And as Aubrey said, please do communicate with us. Tell us your thoughts about these quotes. We'd love to talk to you more on both our Instagram and our Twitter about this.
0: For sure. And guys... We only have one more episode left in season two of National Treasure Hunt. Isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh! Where has the time gone? But don't worry. We don't want to scare you. We know there's only two films so far, but that doesn't mean there's only two seasons of National Treasure Hunt. We have plenty more coming your way later this year. But that said, our last episode of season two is going to be a very good one. It will be an interview with an expert from Mount Vernon guys this is going to be so good we're going to talk all things Mount Vernon history but also talk about the filming of Book of Secrets on premises okay straight from the people who experienced it firsthand it's going to be so much fun please do not forget to check back you don't want to miss it but until then I'm Aubrey and I'm Emily And thank you so much for joining us on our National Treasure Hunt.